Do you want to talk about books? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. Today I have my dear friend Julie Benny on the podcast. Julie's love of reading began when she lived in England as a child. The school she was bused to was far away, so she only had her younger brothers and books to spend time with. Upon graduation, Julie took her love of reading to the classroom. She shared her passion with children from four years old to 14. She has taught in four states and mostly spent her days with children with special needs. She wanted them to have the tools they needed to explore the world through books. After a 31-year career, Julie retired and started working for the Story Shop, where she can still share a love of literature, but without all the paperwork. She has been married to her husband, Rick, for 37 years, and they have two children, one daughter-in-law, and a Morky named Crenshaw. Julie is one of my favorite people to get book recommendations from, and I've invited her on the podcast today to talk about the book Sweep by Jonathan Oxier. Sweep is the story of Nan Sparrow, a young orphan in Victorian England. Nan is a chimney sweep, and she works for Wilkie Crud, a cruel and conniving master sweep. One day, after a terrible accident, Nan is rescued by Charlie, a golem sent to protect her by an old friend. What happens next is a beautiful, heartwarming, and at times, heart-wrenching story. Sweep is equal parts fantasy and historical fiction, and Julie and I are both big fans of the book. And now, here's our conversation. Julie, thanks so much for being here today. I first heard about Sweep from Julie on a trip to the story shop. You previously had recommended one of my all-time favorite new books, A Place to Hang the Moon. So I immediately bought it when you said how much you loved it, and my mom did too. But I'm curious, Julie, what first made you want to read Sweep? One of the great benefits of working in a story shop is the customers that come in, and I always ask them for recommendations. So one of the customers, her name is Sarah, and she homeschools her children, and everything is based on literature. And she pointed the book out to me. I had walked past it so many times and never really saw it, and she pulled it out and said, this is a really good book, and that's how it started. Well, I will have to meet Sarah. I have not heard of her before, and I think (laughs) I I need to know who she is. Mm -hmm. That sounds wonderful. Jonathan Oxier. We both had to look up how to pronounce that <laughs> that last name. The author does a fantastic job blending, as he says, fantasy in fact and sweep. You've mentioned that it's one of your favorite parts of the book, and it's also one of mine. Why do you think it works so well in this particular story, and how is it used to draw the reader in? Well, my favorite uh, genre of book mm-hmm. is historical fiction, and I'm learning to enjoy fantasy a little bit more. Mm. But when I saw the book and began reading and realized it had both parts, the historical fiction drew me in right mm-hmm. away. And also, when you're done reading a historical mm-hmm. fiction book, you know, you always want to read more because you can't believe sometimes what you're reading really happened. But the magical fantasy Mm -hmm. part just really drew my heart, my imagination in. Mm -hmm. And so I think the combination of the two 
draws in more people, mm-hmm. more children and adults. Mm-hmm. And so you the combination that he does works beautifully. Because it makes it more accessible to children, the historical fiction aspect, because of the fantasy element and of that little bit of magic, which in the next question, I'll touch on one of the, the fantasy parts, but it is rooted in history, the magic that's in the story. It's a historical legend. So that also really, I mean, he brings all of that together and it's it's just beautifully done. But it's, like I said, I think that part makes it where children can be pulled into the history as well. It makes it a little bit more palatable for them, maybe. Yes, yes. <laughs> but there is so much. It's just, I don't know how to describe how well he does that. I, th- I think he does it with his other books. I've read one of his other ones, but this one I feel is, is his best work so far that I have read. So I think, yes, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's almost like a fairy tale, but there's that history elements. It is beautifully done. Along those lines, let's talk about some of the fantastical elements in this story, namely the character of Charlie, who it turns out is a golem. I'll explain what that is. It is from Jewish folklore, and it was, was it in the 1500s in Prague, perhaps? I would advise perhaps looking up to make sure that I have There's my so facts correct. There's so much to look up, but maybe we didn't get to right, that Right, right. But it is, it is a protector, and they are usually made out of clay or what was the other? This one is made out of soot. I think it's clay or dirt, perhaps. But they are, they are used to protect the Jewish people. And I think they were being persecuted in Prague and in a ghetto. And there was a rabbi who made this golem. And a golem cannot live forever. They are made with a purpose. There are some magical elements to how the golem is created. They resemble a monster. They are not violent to the people they protect, but they will be violent in their protecting. But they are only there for a limited time. And then once their purpose is served, they will become obsolete. So that's the character of Charlie is a golem, as I just said. Julie, what do you think of Charlie? The subtitle of the book is The Story of a Girl and Her Monster. But do you think that this is an accurate description of Charlie? How does he fit the traditional view of a golem? And how is he different? Well, I love Charlie. I know. I do too. <laughs> because he was almost like he was born mm-hmm. in the book. And he starts out, he does not know anything. Mm-hmm. And he's so innocent in the matters mm-hmm. of life. And Nan has to teach him everything, what words mean. She even attempts and does teach him how to read, which mm, I, I know. love. And he's always asking questions. He's very curious. And he has just a kindness. Mm-hmm. He is so kind towards other people and wanting to meet people. But she has to hold him back some because mm-hmm. his appearance is a monster, which I'll talk about later is one of my favorite lines in the oh, book okay. um, about him being a monster and what a monster really is. Mm. So uh, Charlie is one of my favorite characters. And I even love how, you know, she had to come up with his name. I know. I'm just trying to give him all these, you know, coal or fire or whatever. Right. And then she's like, charcoal, maybe right. she was trying to say. And and then there's like, Charlie. Yes. And it's like, he says, yes. Because you could tell he wanted a normal name, mm-hmm. not like a pet name. Exactly. There's a child likeness to him. You mm-hmm. mentioned the innocence, but he isn't childish in the way that people would 
perhaps think of that immaturity. He doesn't throw tantrums and things like that. He's just, as you said, just so genuine mm-hmm. and so, so kind and so loving to all little creatures. He so wants to help. I just love that relationship between him and Nan because it helps her, her tough exterior, which we'll talk about in a minute. It really helps thaw her, the hardness of her heart to have someone to care for and to love. And it's just a very, it's a very sweet and tender relationship. So I think that's good for children to see that. It is definitely thinking of thought makes me remember, you know, when he first sees snow. Yes. And how he tries to catch it, but because what he's made out of it melts. Right. And so, but the neat thing is Nan's friend comes Mm -hmm. up with a way that Charlie can play in the snow. And it's funny because people's reaction to him when he's seen by some people who don't know him, don't know his character, and they immediately call him a monster. But the children that Nan used to be a sweep with, once they get to know Charlie, he is a fast friend with all the children. So although it says that a girl and her monster, Charlie, is not what you would say a traditional golem, he's like a child, a very innocent child. So it's a very, like I said, I keep saying very tender, very sweet. I think of this book as having many of the same elements as a Charles Dickens novel, perhaps because of the Victorian setting of it, but also because of the social consciousness at the heart of the book. Sweep deals with some very gritty and hard content as far as child chimney sweepers and child labor go. There were a lot of abuses and inhumane treatments of these children, as we as we know from if we've read any bit of history at that time during the Industrial Revolution, we just know how horribly those children were treated. Personally, I really appreciated being exposed to this bit of history. In the back of the book, he even has a little write-up of some of the history that he read, his research while he was writing this book. And I very much appreciated that. But let's talk about it together, Julie. Did you have that same reaction? Was this a little too heavy for you at, at parts? Or... Were you just so caught up in the history that you, even though children are involved, because that's the hard thing, is these are children. If these were injustices were done against adults, it would still be difficult. It would still be hard. But when it's children to see them in these situations, what was your reaction? When I first started reading the story, I didn't realize how young the children were. And then when you look it up to realize that the smaller the child is, the better they fit in a Mm -hmm. chimney and able to sweep it out. So we're talking three, four, and five years old. So that part, of course, breaks your heart. And as far as like social injustice, like this went on and they would go into rich people's homes and the people Mm -hmm. would see them or maybe they wouldn't really see them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just, I've been to some other countries Mm -hmm. that have a lot of poverty. And when you see you know, the children begging in the street, like we are like shocked when mm-hmm. we see it and we're like, what can we do? Mm-hmm. But when you see something over and over, it just becomes normal. And that's mm-hmm. what this became. And so I love there's some different characters who begin, especially the teacher mm-hmm. who begins to see, mm-hmm. see them, really see mm-hmm. them. And when she begins to see them, then she wants to do mm-hmm. and does do some things to change what's Mm -hmm. going on. But there's definitely, we don't want to go into exactly what happens, Mm -hmm. but there's some really sad parts. There's some really, it's very hard. You'll cry. Yeah, I know. There was a part that I was like, no, I did not want that to happen. You weren't expecting it. No, you Mm -hmm. weren't expecting it. I will say that 
a lot of these children are orphaned. Yes. But some of them, their parents just are impoverished and they sell their children Mm -hmm. into an indentured servanthood to a master. So there's a master sweep. And then these little children are the sweeps under them. They do the dirty work, literally. And like I said, they're sold by their parents because there's not enough money. And also they may not make it when they're doing this work. It's very tight spaces. At the very, very beginning of the book, there is a child that is just about to do his very first sweep work. And he's asking about it. And there, one of the older boys is taunting him and telling him how if you get stuck, there are three different things that they can do to get you out. And one of them is called the devil's nudge. And I was not able to look this up before we recorded to see if this was an actual thing, but they would light a fire to make the child like scoot up the chimney, but sometimes they would not make it and the child would be burned to death. So it's within that fantasy, that historical fiction really comes through on how dire these situations were. So he doesn't sugarcoat what really happened, but he doesn't dwell on it where it makes it too heavy for a child. But it is definitely enough for them to know the weight of what was at stake at this time. And how the chimney sweepers reacted Mm -hmm. because the one boy wanted it Mm -hmm. to happen and he depravity of man right you know he just became that mean person inside but nan was trying to help this little Mm -hmm. guy through and even try to say but when you make it to the top right you'll see england in a beautiful way right london so the characters are different and Mm -hmm. you've got the sweetness and then you've got the hardness right in the book they're just young young children So going off that, most of the children in the book are very hardened. They're very cynical and embittered toward life, even at such a tender age as we've been talking about. Yet there is an underlying sense of hope that pervades the book. Why do you think that this is so important to portray in a children's book? Well, where would we all be without hope? (laughs) Right. Even in the worst of circumstances, there is always hope. And there always is either a person or a group of people that have the hope and want mm-hmm. to make the change. Mm-hmm. What would our world be if everybody stayed in that depraved way? Mm-hmm. But then there's always a light. Mm-hmm. We believe God is the light mm-hmm. and he sends the light because that's not his plan. Mm-hmm. And so to see in the book who is the light and who chooses to be the light and to change mm-hmm. and to make it better and to be a friend, because there is there is good and there is evil, mm-hmm. and we know that. And in this book, you you do you def- see that. You definitely but do. But good wins. Mm-hmm. And it also Eventually. is who chooses to love someone and even in a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Because it's easier when you're, when you're hardened and you're embittered by life to shut yourself off completely and not care about anybody else because of how much that will hurt. If something happens to them, if you lose them, then you've opened yourself up to even more hurt. So there is that element of these kids, they have to overcome that in some way of, are they going to choose to love somebody else? And some are, some aren't. And it's just very interesting. There is a quote by Joan Aiken, and I meant to pull it out, and I've shared it in the Wolves of Willoughby Chase episode. She's talking about writing for children. It's in her book, How to Write for Children. And she talks about how important it is to include tragedy in books. But she says, and I'm totally paraphrasing, but don't make it so heavy handed that they're left without hope because this helps for them to read a book where something hard happens 
because of the situations they might be facing in their life. And it can help them see the characters overcome things, how goodness can triumph, and it can help them have hope in life, help them with circumstances they're in. Because I know that Catherine Patterson wrote The Bridge to Terabithia, I believe, for it's either her son or someone that she knew had had a friend that had died at a young age. But there was a story, and I can't remember where where it was. My mom has talked about it before, but of a child who had had, I think, a friend die and was mute just from the trauma from it. But that book helped him heal. So these these stories can help children. Um, um, another mm-hmm. thing that helps children, too, is we're talking about some of the children are embittered and, you know, kind of on the more dark side. But Nan gets a glimpse of one mm-hmm. of why he oh, is that yes. way. Because once a year, mm-hmm. you know, he goes back somewhere mm-hmm. and stands out and looks in a window and Nan follows him. And it makes her understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good for all of us and children to yeah. understand People act a certain way sometimes because right. of things that have happened right? and to be more understanding. And it's interesting that part, because Julie, I read that we were talking about, we, we just both recently reread this book. And so I was, I was reading through it again this morning, catching up on my last little bit because mm-hmm. I fell asleep last night with the last 50 pages. <laughs> <laughs> so I got up early and was trying to finish it. But that part, that really got me this mm-hmm. time. And it got me the first time. We don't want to give anything away, but when Nan sees this is a character who's given Nan trouble yes. throughout the whole book, and he's just, he's hateful. And the others, too. Right. He's mm-hmm. just, he's hate he's a hateful child. And we do find out why. And it's interesting because his heart is still hardened. He doesn't change. But Nan is able to love him and where she wasn't before. And that's interesting to see. Mm-hmm. It's like, even if you do see someone else's side, they may never change. But you don't have to choose that bitterness. They may choose to stay bitter, but you can choose to love them. So I, th- I think that was very beautifully done. Yes, in that. I, I keep saying beautifully done, but it is. It was. <laughs> what, can we say? what else? What other word is there? There are many characters in Sweep, and they are all varied and fleshed out. Oxier does a fantastic job with the characters. Who were your favorite characters, Julie, and why? I think, you know, in the book, the Sweep that takes care of man mm-hmm. in the beginning, his story is throughout the book. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you'll see this different kind of mm-hmm. writing and you'll know she's thinking back. It's italicized. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's the good, that's the word. So the sweep, <laughs> the way he loves her and the way I was going to say him and then Toby, her oh, friend know, and Toby. Charlie is not only are they protective of Nan. They're also so sacrificial and like the sweet, mm-hmm. what he sacrifices when you read the story. So she'll be fed. Right. So she'll have clothes. That to me, those characters really spoke to me mm-hmm. of love. True love is a sacrificial, protective mm-hmm. kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, that's what you see in those characters. So you have one when she's younger and then one when the sweep is not in her life. And mm-hmm. then Toby comes along and she doesn't really understand why he right. wants to hang out with her. But he find, she finds out later. And then Charlie. Exactly. Always someone for her. And it's interesting because the sweep, when Nan is young, you actually find out in the very, very end yes. how their paths crossed. Yes. And it's a, I'm going to say it again, it's a beautiful moment. Yes. Really is. If, I don't want to give anything away, uh-huh. but when you get to that part, it pierces your heart. And it's so, so good. And the interesting thing about the sweep is when she's so young, he's so sacrificial, like giving the last bit of food to her. Mm-hmm. She never knows 
what he's doing. He makes it a game or tells her a story. It's always with a smile on his face. So he does not play the martyr. And it's only later that Nan sees all of the things that he has done. And I think because of the way in which he does this, she's not feeling like a burden. She is feeling loved because he did this. It is completely out of love and out of the goodness of his heart. I love how that is done because it could easily turn into, oh, woe is me. Look what I've sacrificed for you. And there's none of that. They never say anything to Nan, any of the people who are, are protecting her. They're there. They love her. They're doing their job of protecting her. And it's never about them. So it, that is extraordinarily well done. That was a really good point. That's never the love that they show and the sacrifice. Isn't She never mm-hmm. feels like the mm-hmm. burden. She just feels cared for, mm-hmm. loved, and looked after. That was a good point. Yeah, and so it is a Christ-like love. Mm-hmm. Very much mm-hmm. so. Oh, and I have to say my favorite characters. I just went. <laughs> okay, so I'll ask you, what were your favorite characters? Okay. Or who? I love Toby. Toby is her little friend mm-hmm. who, at first, she calls him a pest. And you do kind of feel like he is a little bit of a pest. And you're like, why is he always hanging around Nan? He's mm-hmm. kind of like the um, charmer. So he's around town. He just charms people. He's called a mudlark, right? Isn't yes, that what he yes. is? So a mudlark was a child who dug in the Thames River. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm for whatever trash debris which he called treasures he calls treasures and he's a little bit of an inventor he has a bag he calls his emporium and he sells these things and he has a rat named prospero (laughs) and he's around town he knows all these people and he gets all these deals and he's this little charmer but later on you find out why he's in nan's life Mm -hmm. and he's living on the street he doesn't have a place to stay when it's cold and yet He's not a hardened child. He's not embittered by life. He has chosen to have joy in the midst of his horrible circumstances. So I love him. I love Charlie. I've already talked about (laughs) Charlie. I I just love him. I love his relationship with Nan. And I love the character of Newt. There's a little boy. I can't give anything away, but one of the little boys in the story. I love him. And Nan, I do love Nan too. She took a little bit of getting used to for me because of the hardness that she has. But on my reread, I really had much more sympathy for her. I really enjoyed it. I think because she changes so much. You see the progress of the change Mm -hmm. that she makes through the circumstances of her life. And she takes the good things. Mm -hmm. Yes. She's the one who has to to -hmm. change and and grow the Mm -hmm. most. Yes. But so worth reading. There are some true villains in the story who are kept as villains throughout it. There isn't much sympathy for one in particular, but there is also true heroism and bravery in the story. Why do you think it was important to include both in Sweep? And I'm going to name one of the villains because I don't know that we have talked about him yet. He wasn't our favorite. No, we didn't like him at all. His name is Crud, Willie Crud. (laughs) And he matches him. He is the the master sweep of the group that Nan is a part of at the beginning of the book. So he collects these children, essentially, and he has them as his minions to clean out the chimneys. He's a handsome man, and he's dressed very, very well, and he eats very, very well, and the children starve, and he is horrible to them, and he's a cruel man. So I wanted to give that a little bit of a backstory. But 
why do you think, Julie, it is important to include both in SWEEP? Because I think we talked about you can have an opportunity. Everyone has an opportunity Mm -hmm. to change, even if your circumstances are really bad, because there's always a time or place Mm -hmm. where something can happen. But he has never changed. And even if he's being nice, there's a motive behind it. Because sometimes you think, oh, he's being nice, Mm -hmm. but then he turns it around to where it was for his good, something that he was doing. And I'm just going to head, you were asked me, yes. you asked me about a quote, but this kind of yes. goes right along with it that I'm going to read out of the book. There's a time when Charlie is seen by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so they're all yelling monster and he mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do. And he runs away and Nan finds him. And then they're back together where they're living. And it goes like this, Nan, Charlie's voice was small. What is a monster? He was recalling the word from the market. Even now, Nan could hear the screams of the crowd. Monster is a word for something that frightens folks, like a creature of some kind. Oh, he said. And then, am I a monster? Nan hesitated a long time before answering. She thought about Crud and Trundle, another cool person, and the cruel indifference of every person in the city who didn't care if she lived or died. I've met monsters before. She said, resting her head atop his, and you are not one of them. Mm -hmm. So a person Mm -hmm. can look a certain way on the outside and how we Mm can't judge how Mm -hmm. they look Mm -hmm. because it's the heart. Mm -hmm. Whereas he, crud, looked so handsome and slick, but his heart was black. But then you look at Charlie on the outside. Mm -hmm. His scary looks like a monster, like compares Frankenstein Mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. But inside, you know, what his heart was. So It's so pure. I think that's kind of what... It is. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to butcher this again. There's the quote, I think it's by C.S. Lewis, about children will face real dragons in life. And and it's good for them to see it in a story. I'm totally butchering it. But I think that it is so important for children to understand the difference between good and evil. And when they can have it in a book where there is a true evil that has to be stood against and, and has to be faced, Again, that goes along with what I was talking about earlier that helps them as they face life in the circumstances in life. But again, it's not going along with the Joan Aiken, an instance where evil triumphs in the end. And they may have their moment of of glory, but in the end, they are not going to be triumphant. And I think that's so important to have that. As much as having the good and the evil and the, the real villain in a story it's so important to show children that ultimately evil is not going to win. That's good. Do you have, Julie, a favorite spoiler-free moment in the story? So we've decided to share our favorite part in the book. So when Nan finds out who Charlie is, Charlie is not at the beginning of the story. There's a crucial moment at the very beginning of the story where Charlie makes his appearance. So it's Nan and Charlie. They have no place to live because something happens and they come across this huge house that has a hundred chimneys that all of the chimney sweeps are afraid of because there is the rumor, the rumor that it's haunted. Mm -hmm. So they go to live there and it has all these rooms. It was a former sea captain's home and they, they name rooms for different things that they do there. So there is the rubbish room, which has all the trash 
they have in the house. There is the for banging pots and pans room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just as if you had a, a child had free reign and what they would come up with, how they would set up house. That I just love that part. And even her first time ever being in a bed. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah, she, like she yeah. never had slept always no. on the floor. And so her first time like getting on the bed so soft, her and Charlie ended up like kids jumping yes. up and down on the mattress yes. for a long time. There was just a lot of sweet, funny parts right? because it was completely had things in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they were like overwhelmed with everything, like they'd never seen it. And so right. they had so much. And so, yeah, it was fun. So throughout the rest of the story, they have little things, they reference things that are in the house and how they're used. Because I think Charlie and Nan dress up as Father Christmas and they go to the different characters in the story like the chimney sweeps that Nan has swept with and the teacher, Miss Bloom, and Prospero, because Nan does not want to give Toby a present. (laughs) They dress up as Father Christmas to go and give each of them a gift, and they use the feathers from their pillow fights. That's true. (laughs) To to have beards. So it's just, it's interesting how he has that. He incorporates constantly things from the house that they use. I also love the part where... The Robin, Charlie has to learn what death is. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's just a really tender moment. There is a Robin who has had a nest in the attic of the house with 100 chimneys. And Charlie's so excited about spring because Dan's been telling him about spring. And he's so excited about it. And he's excited about this egg hatching. And she tells him not to touch it. And, of course, he is a child. Right. And, and what he, do they want to do mm-hmm. when you say don't touch? So he does touch it and he breaks it. But before it dies, he can restore life to it. And then he makes the attic a place for the bird to live in and trees. And that's a little bit of the magical element we can't talk about too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not just well, it's spoiler free and I'm spoiling it a little bit. But that's a sweet part. And one final thing is I love. When at the very beginning, they're talking about the sweep and and Nan sweeping out the houses and the sweep would tell people to make a really big fire. So in case there were, does he say birds in the chimney? I think nests. Nest in the chimney mm -hmm. to burn that out. But really what he was doing is it would make the chimney warm so he and Nan could sleep against the chimney and stay warm through the night. And they would have a laugh about it. The joke was on the people that their chimney they cleaned. But I I love that part as well. Mm -hmm. So anything else, Julie? The spoiler free. I mean, it's hard. It is hard because <laughs> I don't want to spoil and we've been talking about a lot. So do you have any other favorite quotes from the book? Well, I read the first mm-hmm. one and then I was going to read part of the quote after he about the bird and he's making this garden mm-hmm. and without giving the story away as he gives life, something happens to him and Nan realizes what's going on. And she says, Charlie, she clasped his hands, one mm-hmm. cold, one warm. You have to promise me you will stop making your garden. And Charlie nodded, I promise. Nan held him tighter. You have to promise me, no matter what happens, that you will never give away any piece of yourself, no matter how much you want to. Charlie looked at her for a moment. His face was filled with sadness, and he drew his hands away from her. I cannot promise that. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, as we love, we are giving Mm -hmm. parts of Mm ourselves away and you're opening yourself up to be hurt Mm -hmm. or to be rejected. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of means like to me, sometimes you do give away Mm -hmm. yourself and it can cause that. Mm -hmm. But Charlie realizes that's Mm -hmm. more important 
to love and to give yourself away mm-hmm. than it is to keep and, and not do mm-hmm. that. Because there's that quote, what is it that we, we save ourselves by saving others. Yeah, that's of, another good one. That's the quote running throughout mm-hmm. the whole story. And I had a couple of quotes, but they're spoilers, so I can't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't share yeah. them. But Charlie, in some ways, is a very Christ-like character of just that mm-hmm. willingness to lay down his life for Nan constantly. And not just for Nan, for other characters in the book as mm-hmm. well. Definitely. In Sweep, there's a part where the girl Nan and her sweep play a game called Story Soup. That part stood out to both of us. What did you especially love about it? Well, you know, one of my favorite things in the world is telling stories to children. That's why I work at the story shop. That's my most favorite thing. So as they walked along, if they found something, they would put it in Mm -hmm. the bag. And later on, sometimes they were hungry. Mm -hmm. And to get their mind off the hungriness that they were Mm -hmm. feeling, the sweep just had this way of saying, well, we're going to have story soup tonight Mm -hmm. instead. And then he was able to pull out the things that he had collected that day and begin to tell a story Mm -hmm. to her. And he was so good at it that after a while, Nan would forget the Uh hunger that she was Mm -hmm. feeling. And as she listened to his voice and listened to his story, eventually she would fall Mm -hmm. asleep and tomorrow would be another day. Mm -hmm. So I I, thought that was precious. It is. Again, it's that ability of stories Mm -hmm. to minister in our Mm -hmm. lives and especially to children. To help them through difficult circumstances, it's very powerful and it should never be neglected or looked down upon. <laughs> just like, I wonder if I could do that. You know, I just I have know. my surprise bag. I know. Like if I just put some objects in there and just went off the cuff and tried to tell my own story. So Julie does the story time at the story shop and she is the best. And I'm sure that you would have, it would be so popular. You would have all the like, kids. Who knows what direction it would go. <laughs> they, they would be pulling things out. Like, <laughs> Can you tell a story about this? I'm like, ooh, <laughs> all right. At the back of the book, Jonathan Oxier talks about story soup again as it relates to the writing of his book. That's one of my favorite parts of the whole book. Mm-hmm. I love that part. He mentions a number of books, which he calls his most essential research when he was writing the book. Books like Danny the Champion of the World, A Little Princess, Frog and Toad All Year, and Charlotte's Web. Julie, what books would you say would make up your story soup? I would say, and I think we'll have this question about favorite books growing Mm -hmm. up, but um, one would be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, The Imagination. This is really before the movies, just Mm -hmm. the actual book, The Imagination of that story and Charlie and his heart. Love that. Anne of Green Gables. I would have that mixture of seeing good Mm -hmm. in everything and then the way she could express herself with her Mm -hmm. words and her humor. And then there's a particular book I love called Mark of the Lion by Francine mm-hmm. Rivers. And that would be the faith, the faith mm-hmm. that um, the main character Hadesha has. So to have the faith of God and running through it. And then one of my favorite books that inspired me to be a teacher is called Christy by Catherine Marshall. <gasps> I love Christy. I love and, that book. Um, that, you know, the teacher, because, you know, the teacher in this book, Miss mm-hmm. Bloom, makes a huge difference. And I was a teacher for many years. Mm-hmm. And that's our what we want to do. And I still mm-hmm. want to do, even though I'm not a teacher, is to make a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So I think Which you do all the time oh, at the story shop. <laughs> um, so I think the magic, the words, mm-hmm. the imagination, the faith, and just the love for all people, not mm-hmm. just how people look, 
but looking at their hearts mm-hmm. where the Christie comes in. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of those books. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to have you on again to do Christie. Oh, we have to talk about that. It changed one. my life. Actually. I loved that book. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's got some hard stuff in it. It does. It really it does. has some very hard mm-hmm. stuff. It's so and I good. read that as a child. I read that as a teenager. So to know yeah. that sweep can be read mm-hmm. and there is hard things, but it's good to talk to your mm-hmm. parents about it. It's good to talk to other people mm-hmm. about it and, you know, mm-hmm. realize the world, how the world is. Mm-hmm. And we, as mm-hmm. I believe, we need a savior. Mm-hmm. So have you read The Hiding Place? This is... Yes. Okay. In fact, um, mm-hmm. Lauren, one of my managers, ordered it. It's Is it the 50th? Oh. anniversary mm. or maybe 25th mm-hmm. I'm so sorry of the book mm-hmm. and uh, that book is another one mm-hmm. I think that's what started my historical fiction mm-hmm. and you know about the holocaust and because mm-hmm. you can't believe like something like that could happen mm-hmm. and then the courage mm-hmm. and the faith of people mm-hmm. when they walk through something so hard mm-hmm. and of course that was a true story right mm-hmm. so I would have to add from my stories soup secret garden would be in there now as an adult but as a child had to be beverly cleary (laughs) and lauren goes wilder i loved the little house series anna green gables of course Mm -hmm. and i've talked about daddy long legs before so those were some of the ones that i made up my childhood i I haven't read daddy long legs it's just a good one okay it's just a good one but definitely the secret garden is is on the top now but i love all of these books charlotte's web of course that one's such a good one. I'm fond of including one final pitch at the end of an episode for the book I'm featuring. What would you say to someone who is on the fence about reading Sweet? As I was thinking about that, there's a good friend of mine named Jenny who loves to teach literature. And she read the book. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that she wrote, I asked her if I could share because she has better words, I think, than I do. And she says, I had to think about what I wanted to say as a review. This story explores the beauty and brokenness of life. Mm -hmm. So it is both wonderful and hard to read at times. What is most poignant and memorable to me is the hope and resilience that the novel develops. Life is hard and the novel does not try to avoid that. This, I think, is one of its great strengths. Life is difficult, but there is beauty and companionship along the way to help keep us going. We need goodness, kindness, and one another. Oh, didn't that she is say lovely. it beautifully? How we feel, but yes. I sometimes can't express in words right. like Jenny can. Mm. I have to meet Jenny. Yes, <laughs> get on the book reads. I know, I have and to. Okay, I like to ask a quick round of literary questions at the end for fun. What is the best book you've read in the last year? And Julia, as always, as I've said before. One for the book recommendations. Well, the book I love the most this year, you've read in your mm-hmm. podcast, A Place to Hang the Moon. Yes. People can go back and listen. It reminds you of Narnia mm-hmm. in some ways, but it's not so much the magic. It's more of the mm-hmm. heart and the children. And, you know, one of my favorite parts is when they have to leave, they each have to pick mm-hmm. their favorite book to take with them. And oh, so that's yes. like a question to think about. If you could only have one book and you were going to go on an island or somewhere, what what book would you read? I know. I loved the siblings, the story of them, how they looked out for each other. And, you know, again, the hope they had mm-hmm. to find parents. Mm-hmm. I love that book. Julie, that's what I'd have to say. I cannot talk about how much I love that book mm-hmm. enough. What is your favorite book of all time? Well, I just want to say my favorite book of all times is the Bible. I just mm-hmm. want to say that because that's a book that I read every mm-hmm. day and every day it has different things and I can mm-hmm. read the same thing again mm-hmm. and learn something else. I love that. 
Mm-hmm. And then my other two, um, I know there's, you said book. But, you can bend the okay. rules. No, we bend the rules. <laughs> but the Anne of Green Gables and yes. Christy. Christy yes. would be my favorite books. Did you watch the TV series? I did. I thought mm-hmm. they did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought they did. I, yeah. I was sad when it, it ended. I know. Because they didn't, they didn't finish it all. Did they finish it all the way? It. Okay. But it was a. It was good. It's a good one. So it's the story of a woman in the, is it the 1800s or early 1900s? I'm not sure. Somewhere around the the turn of the century, who is a teacher and an Appalachian town. But she's with, from like a very affluent home mm-hmm. and she just feels like she wants to, she gets on the train and mm-hmm. the first thing she does, there's some kind of surgery that mm-hmm. guy, the tree falls on his head and she has to experience that. And mm-hmm. yes. It's just a very impoverished place. Mm-hmm. And she heard a missionary. Is it the missionary? A missionary spoke? Might have been. And just I think really it's, pulled at her heart. Right. I think so. And so she she signs up. And so there's a woman that's, is she the head of the school? I can't remember. She's a, is she a Quaker? She is. She's she a Quaker. Is. And she is a mentor to Christy. And she loves these people. But there's some hard things in that book. But it is well worth reading. So she becomes, as we know, more Mm -hmm. than a teacher. Mm -hmm. And what she does for the children to help change their lives and how they change her life. Yes. And that is what inspired me to work with children that had special needs. Children, you know, that sometimes Mm -hmm. are overlooked. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that story. Yes. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to go to the Apple, but it didn't work out. I did go to college in Tennessee, but it wasn't the same. And was Catherine Marshall, so she's the author of the book. I think she is either from Georgia or she lived at Georgia at one time. I'm not sure, but she did write another book, Julie. Oh, I haven't read Julie. Mm -hmm. That's another good one, too. And her husband, Peter Marshall, was... Pastor. Yes. Yeah, I think they met in Georgia. Well, I think think she went to Agnes Scott, I think. Oh, my goodness. I think. I'll have to look it up. Study that. There's a movie about him. Mm-hmm. It's called A Man Called Peter. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it talks about their love story. So what is a book you haven't read but have always meant to read? I shared with you earlier, I need yes. to read the books of Narnia. All I've read is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I need to read mm-hmm. the rest. So that's on my list to do. You will love them. I love, which was the one? It's either Prince Caspian or Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I love those two in the series, and I love the magician's nephew as well, because there's a part with the creation of Narnia and Aslan sings it into existence. It's beautiful. It's so good. So this is just something for you to look forward to. Oh, I do. My daughter <laughs> says the last one with the battle. Oh, it's a, it's a good one. too. It is a good one. So. I mean, I loved all of them. I read them as a young adult, like the whole series, because I think I just read Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe when I was younger. Maybe I was a teenager because I read them out loud to my brothers. Oh, yes. We read The Horse and His Boy. My youngest brother is past his bedtime, so he had to go to bed. But my two younger, so there's three younger brothers, but the the older two of the the youngest set begged me to keep reading. And I said, well, what about Mikey? And they're like, oh, he can, it's fine. He'll be fine. You can reread it to him. (laughs) So I don't know how, until my voice went, I stayed up reading it. They just, they loved it so much. So fond, fond memories. If you could invite any author or literary character to dinner, who would it be? And let's say you have three to five people, but if you need to break the rules, you can break the rules. Well, I appreciate that. And I picked some characters and it might be funny. The first one I thought of is Samwise Gamgee. Oh, yes. I just, and I would want Frodo too. I, the friendship that they mm-hmm. have, 
And again, the sacrifice that mm. Samwise does, I just loved his mm-hmm. character. And so I just would love to have him over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And Anne Shirley, oh, she yes. would keep us so entertained. Wouldn't she? She might do some recitations for <laughs> you know, us. That would just be awesome. And then um, Christy, I would have her over to yes. just ask her more questions about teaching mm-hmm. in difficult places. And then Charlie from Sweet, yes. just because of his sweet innocence and he would ask lots of sweet questions yes. and he would just soak up everything and how kind Samwise mm-hmm. and Ann and Christy would be to him. And then I was thinking, cause uh, I didn't lo- love Lord of the Rings. Like, so should we have dinner or remember it was second breakfast? Yes. Third breakfast. And then like second dinner or yes. what would you serve? I forgot to ask that. I would probably serve, um, have the tea. Oh, yum. And then have some yummy um, muffins, but also have to have something meaty mm-hmm. for Sam Wise. And then, you know, Charlie, I'd have to have a little little coal or yes. <laughs> you know, for him yes. to, to have something to eat. Yes. Well, I want to come to that second, third breakfast because it sounds It'd delightful. Be fun, it? it would be so fun. Mm-hmm. Finally, this is the part I'm very excited about. Do you have any book recommendations to share? Okay, so you're asking a bookseller. So, right. You know. Julie always, I go into the story shop and I'm always asking her what she recommends because she's never led me astray. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. So I'm going to just use some books that I've read mm-hmm. for this year. So being the storyteller, I always try to pick books that are, I have a young crowd. A yes. Lot, so we're not reading deep, deep books. We're reading fun books, books mm-hmm. that entertain um, do you have meaning to them? Mm-hmm. So my three favorite this year is I Really Want the Cake mm-hmm. by Simon Phillip. And then Would You Rather Be a Princess or a Dragon? I love I that book. Oh, it's so good. I have to. My my little girl is obsessed with dragons right now because she saw How to Train Your Dragon. So I need to I need to look for that one when we go on Friday. Yeah, because it says, would you rather, would you rather? Mm. And then kind of at the end, without giving it away, oh, yeah. but in every princess, there is a dragon. <laughs> truth about my little one one of my favorites and i just love it is called those are not my underpants by melissa martin have you seen the the bear he doesn't know what underwear it's not his so it just shows like the creativity of like if all animals had underwear on and with kids if you just say the word underwear they they laugh and think it's they think it's the funniest so those are the ones and then going into (laughs) a, a chapter books i would say you know mark of the lion by francine rivers I love the Enola Holmes series. Oh, I haven't read those. They're really good. And, you know, the movie that they have out on Netflix, excellent. Okay. Churchill Socks. Yes. And, you know, we know the author. And Ms. Bloom. So she is fantastic. Fun. I like Echo Mountain by Lauren Walk. Which I still need to read. <laughs> My newest series that I finally read that I have been recommended by many young friends is the Wing Feather series. What I, did you think? I finally read them. And my husband won't hear this till later then because I bought them for Christmas for him. I love the series, the creativity, mm. the story. It was excellent. I love A Little Princess. Mm-hmm. And then as far as young adults, I like uh, The Light in Hidden Places by mm. Sharon Cameron and The Downstairs Girl by Stacey Lee. So those are some of my favorite books that I have read this year. And can you talk just a little bit about The Light and Hidden Places for just a minute? Because it's one I haven't read, but I really, really want to read that one. Well, it goes back to, you know, during the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And there's a young lady, probably 18, and she mm-hmm. has her little sister living with her. And her family's been sent to uh, like work camps. 
and she's trying to hold a job down and live in this apartment. And through a series of events, she begins to hide some mm. Jewish refugees. Mm. And this is actually written. Her son knows the story. So it's a oh. true story. And so he tells the story. And so, it, and you get to see pictures of her. But anyway, what bravery mm. and courage, because it wasn't just a couple. It ended up being like 12, mm. 15. Mm. And then the story of the Jewish people that were hiding, like mm-hmm. trying to go to the bathroom, oh. trying to get water, trying to get yes. food. And the worst part that's so hard is they couldn't make any sound mm-hmm. because it ends mm-hmm. up that they come in and they have mm-hmm. people live there. Mm-hmm. So she has to actually keep them so quiet mm. that the Germans, there's two German oh nurses that have to live with her. <gasps> yeah. So how quiet they have to be oh. and as soon as those nurses leave. And then the courage of the her sister, who's only like mm. eight years old, mm. that she has to keep this all a secret and what she does to help. So it was excellent. And that's why I like the light in hidden places. Like you wouldn't think someone like mm-hmm. a teenager or a young girl could have that courage, mm-hmm. but they did. And so it was, mm. it was a beautiful book. Have you read Number the Stars by Lois Lowry? Not in a long time. <gasps> okay. Cause that was time. the book that I loved as a fifth grader. So I probably would have to add that one in there. I won it for a reading contest. And I love it because I loved books about the Holocaust at that time. But yeah, that one's a good one for maybe if you have a reader that's too young for the light and hidden places. And then if for an adult, the hiding place goes perfectly with that because true story by Corey Ten Boone and her and her family, they were, are they Dutch? Yes, and they help hide people. Mm -hmm. They hide Mm -hmm. people, and they are taken Mm -hmm. to a concentration camp, Corrie ten Boom and her family. But I loved this when I read it, the teenager. None of the people that they hid were taken to the concentration camp. They all survived. And again, going along with what we've talked about, that sacrificial love is is just amazing. So I'll have to have you back on so we can talk about Christy and the hiding place. That'd be great. So thank you so much, Julie. You're welcome. This was awesome. My first podcast. And yes. You made it so easy. So oh, I'm I really glad. appreciate it. I'm so glad. And if you are in Georgia and you are near Monroe, you must go to the story shop when Julie is working and have her recommend books for you because she is the best. And if you have young children on Fridays, she does story time. And again, she is just the best. So thanks again, Julie. Oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for the nice words. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed today's episode and the podcast in general, would you consider leaving a rating or review? It's a small way that you can help others discover the podcast. And if you have any book recommendations for me, which I would love, you can find me at WellReadBeth on Instagram or the A Well-Read Life Facebook group. And if you'd like to follow The Story Shop, you can find it at VisitTheStoryShop on Instagram and VisitTheStoryShop.com. Thanks so much. Until next time.